0: In late May, the nation went from coronavirus lockdown to racial unrest in a matter of moments. After George Floyd's tragic death by white policemen, we watched in horror as day after day peaceful protests turned at night into violent riots and looting. My guest today is Kay Coles James, the president of Heritage Foundation, one of the foremost African American conservative leaders in our nation. We'll have her take on all of this up next. <music> From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. The senseless and completely unjustified killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man by a white police officer in Minneapolis, should shock the conscience of America. Those are the words of my guest today on Concerned Women for America's podcast. I'm Penny Nance, CEO and President. Today, I'm joined by my close friend and Heritage Foundation President, Kay Coles-James. Kay, thank you so much for being willing to take time out of your busy schedule. I know you have so much going on today to talk about just this hard subject matter of race in America. But before we do that, before we delve into the questions, I just want to take a, a moment of a point of personal privilege just to say that I am so grateful for the many years of your friendship. You are such a faithful friend. That's who you are, and um, and, and it, let's recognize we live in Washington, where you know the, there's a lot to the phrase. It's truth to the phrase. It says if you want a friend, get a dog. You know, um, but I just want to thank you for being for many years such a real friend and a mentor to me, and um, and as a passionate follower of Jesus, you're such an example, and you believe in that Titus 2 uh, passage, and I have I've been so grateful to be just a recipient of your wise advice, even just recently <laughs> when I was I came to you to talk to you about you know the get advice on being the mother of grown children, which by the way is way harder than it looks. I just want people with little children to know, and I'm learning. Um, but you've just been so generous with your advice. But you know, even before we knew each other personally, I was a fan of yours. And I mentioned in the intro that, um, you know, you're, of course, now the president of Heritage Foundation, and in fact, you're the first African American and the first woman to lead that historic institution. You've also served more than one president. And you have been a cabinet secretary for Republican George Allen, Governor George Allen of Virginia, and the dean of the School of Government for Regent University. And way more things than I can even say author and so many things. But what people don't know about you most is that you started out in public policy at National Right to Life Committee. So I wanted my first question to be, um, before, you know, we even talk about current event, uh, current events, I'd love for you to share your personal story and and why you're pro-life and, and kind of how all your st- – go back in time and introduce our listeners to you and your life. Sure. Well, I, I would be remiss if, if I didn't let
1: your listeners know how much I absolutely adore you and how much I appreciate a real friend. And a real mm. friend tells you when you're wrong. A real friend loves you when you're down and when you're up. And there, as you said, there are precious few of those in Washington. And, you know, you and I and several others share something that other people only dream about, and that is close, real, true, honest sisters in Christ. Mm. And it's nothing new. We've been at this a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you for staying with me and being a friend through ups and downs and ins Mm. and outs. Kids and and husbands and, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those I could call you 2 o'clock in the morning kind of friend. Yes, you you could.
0: All right. I'm crying already. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in a time of racial strife in the country, um, I, I just think that people need to know that those kinds of relationships mm. and friendships exist. That's right. And they clearly exist within the body of Christ, and, and we have it. Mm. And Amen. And I tell everybody that, that because we have all kinds of friends in our lives, we're much better people because of it. But, first of all, I didn't know being pro-life was a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, when I started out, I didn't know that. Gracious? You mean people would actually reach inside their bodies and kill babies? Are you kidding me? It never occurred to me. We were just pro-life and never had a conversation about it. And then when I began to realize, well, see, you have to remember how old I am, too. I mean, I got married uh, the year that Roe v.ersus Wade uh, uh, became law. So Mm. way back, way back when. In my community, we didn't even think about, talk about an abortion was just something that was unheard of and we wouldn't do. And so when somebody says, oh, my gosh, you're pro-life, I was sort of like, well, is it everybody? And no, they weren't. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I got a call once that, you know, someone asked me if you would mind going on a, a television program and sharing your views on the life issue. And I will tell you, I was so scared, mortified, horrified, petrified. And I really didn't want to do it, but my children and my husband encouraged me to. And um, and I did. And it was in the middle of that conversation that my story came together. I'd never put all the pieces together or even thought about it. But the woman that I was having the debate or the discussion with says, How dare you, with your middle-class sense of values, think that uh, you should bring a child into the world when they are poor, their mother doesn't have resources? And it clicked inside my head, and I said, well, let me ask you this. How would you counsel a woman who came to you and said, my husband is an alcoholic, I already have four kids, I just found out I'm pregnant today, And I don't know what to do. And she said, I would certainly tell her that among her options is the option to have an abortion because what loving mother would bring a child into the world under those circumstances? And I was able to say my mother because I was that child and my mother chose life. And so it was only then that I realized that I had a voice, I had a message and I wanted to speak out on behalf of unborn children. And that's when um, I became very, very active, first in the crisis pregnancy movement, um, and then uh, as the spokesperson for the National Right to Life.
0: Well, and you are such a powerful spokesperson. And, you know, as a a, a younger woman listening in the audience, I was just, you know, enthralled by your message. And, and you just, God has just really... I think, gifted you in that very way. And um, and I was also so touched and moved by your book entitled Never Forget, which is still available on Amazon and still very pertinent. I would recommend everybody to go buy it. Um, and it it goes back and well, um, the first chapter, I was crying in the first chapter, and I won't talk about that, about you being at Mount Vernon and all that. But you share deeply and very personally about your beginnings. And you did talk about it just a little bit there, but feel free to add anything else, but also your account of being one of the first black children to be integrated in the Richmond, Virginia school district in the 1960s. Tell my listeners what, what was that like? Well, you
1: know, most junior high schoolers or, Sneaking blue eye shadow past their moms in the morning to go to school, and wondering what shade of lipstick to wear or what the new fads are. Mm-hmm. But when I went to seventh grade, I had to walk past angry parents who were screaming, uh, past police barricades and lines, um, walked up the front of the steps, and I was I was scared, but I knew that what I was doing was important for my race. I knew that, that uh, someone had to be on the front lines, and it was not easy. The teachers there didn't want us there. I will never forget, and I won't say her name right now. I'm, I'm sure she's long since passed on, but my uh, homeroom teacher read the menu of what was for lunch that day and pulled down her glasses, as she said, and for dessert, they're serving brownies. And she said, I don't know why they're serving those. We have enough of them here already.
0: Oh and I
1: goodness. just sunk deeper down into my chair and tried to hold back the tears. Um, and uh, This is seventh grade, K Yes, yeah. Oh. It, was, it was a time when one of the ways that the students could get us is when we were changing classes. The hallways were crowded. And so the students would take pens and stick us as we went through the hall, and you couldn't tell where it was coming from. It was frightening it was it was it was horrifying um and so those were those were difficult days. There were members of my family that had crosses burned uh on their yards mm-hmm. my My own children have experienced it uh, my son and my daughter were driving through a neighborhood one night to looking for a house to visit a friend, and they were stopped by the police. Someone called the police and mm. said they didn't belong in the neighborhood and why were they there? Uh, incidentally, as you know, we have a God that is has such a sense of humor. Twenty years later, we moved into that very same neighborhood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and was, I and I it know, it know you all a lot. and. And your family looks like they could be on the, and I know your children very well, love them so dearly, and your grandchildren, and they're beautiful. I mean, they they look like they could be on the cover of a magazine. These people probably felt like idiots later. I hope they did. But I, I, I can't imagine as a seventh grader, like all you want to do in junior high is to blend in, right? And you are so brave and so courageous at that young age to be able to speak. Speak forth truth to, to go into the lion's den so bravely at great personal cost. Clearly, God had had a great had set you aside for great work. Well, you know, um, as I look at my
1: life, starting even then, uh, when I was debating the life issue on college campuses, And it was during a very volatile period in our country, and I had to be escorted off campus with security. When I, you know, was in all through my life, all through my entire life, if I could choose, I would not have chosen to be involved in any of those. By nature, I am an optimist. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't start a fight, but I was Mm -hmm. taught not to run from one. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And if I could live my life Mm as I chose, I would be in the house uh, planning what to have for dinner and having friends over, going to my Wednesday night Bible study. I would not have chosen this. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's what God has asked me to do, and so I do it.
0: Man, I know that's so true. Many of the, the hardest fights, and I think the most important things that, that I think many of us leaders have done are not things that we wanted to do. But if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, you go do it, right? And, and sometimes it costs you, but.
1: Well, when ahead, I Barbara. speak to women's groups, I tell them that I have no sympathy for those who say, I can't speak up, I'm nervous, I'm shy. Uh, I don't feel like I have anything to add to the conversation. And I said, none of that is an excuse. All I need from you is a willingness to go where God calls. Because if you have that willingness to go where he calls, uh, he will equip you for the fight. And I can tell you with certainty, with absolute certainty, if you leave your life in the palm of his hands, you have no idea the, the, the opportunities that you will have to do kingdom work and to bring about change in this country. But you all, you all you need is a heart that's open to be used by God.
0: Amen. And that is the perfect place for us to pause for a moment and take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll continue this important conversation with Kay James, the president of the Heritage Foundation, and we'll discuss... Case thoughts on race in America. Stay with us. Hey, ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family, and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, president and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back. I'm having a conversation with the president of the Heritage Foundation, Kay Coles James, and we're discussing a, a range of issues, ministry and and hard issues of the day, uh, what it looks like to walk out your faith in the public square, which she has done so well and so passionately now for decades. Um, But I wanted to take a moment, Kay, and just talk about a piece you recently wrote in foxnews.com in which you discuss the difficulty of race issues in America. And I know we talked earlier about how personal this is for you because you have actually walked the walk. There's a lot of people that like to talk about change. They like to talk about racism in America. They like to talk about hard issues of the day. But that's what it is, right? That's talk often. You actually have walked it out. And um, I'd just love to get your take from your perch on what you're seeing on the national news every night.
1: Oh, gosh, it breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart for several reasons. One, there are real and legitimate problems surrounding the issue of race in our country, but I do not understand why people cannot grasp that you can make that statement and say, but America is not a racist country. That was Mm -hmm. so misunderstood. I tried to explain it to someone today by saying, if you've been a parent, you know that your child may do something bad, but that doesn't mean you have a bad child. Right. And so I genuinely believe that this is the greatest country on the planet, and I believe that our founders gave us a gift. They gave us a gift of a Constitution and a Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, all the founding documents which created – the framework for when we have problems, but how to work them out. And America has done more than any other country on the planet towards liberty and freedom and providing hope and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I honestly believe that, that, that people don't make the distinction between systemic racism, which I believe, our We have done such a phenomenal job in this country of changing the laws of the land. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, what we're left with are not systemic problems. We're left with problems of the heart. We're left with people who still harbor ill will. And if you don't believe those people exist, just look at the trolls mm-hmm. <laughs> on some of the comment sections. On some of the social media platforms, oh, they are there, and they are vocal, and that's all I was saying.
0: It's in so great nation that deserves better. I I would love to also hear, and you and you were prescriptive, I think, at the sort of at the end of your piece, and I just love to hear your take on you know how, how do, what's the answer like? How do we? Navigate this moment.
1: Penny, I think your audience will understand this. I'm not sure everybody would. Since the laws of the land are there, people, civil rights lawyers and, and, and activists worked for years and got the laws on the book. What we're left with are individuals and people who need their hearts changed. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that the answer to all of this lies within the gospel of Jesus Christ. It mm-hmm. lies with changed hearts. And the hateful things that I see on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you cannot tell me those people don't exist because they're there. The hateful things, that can be changed in a nanosecond when you allow Christ into your heart. And so I, I believe mm-hmm. that the church has a special and a unique mm-hmm. responsibility to share the gospel of Christ and, and all, among all people, mm-hmm. and that's our only hope.
0: Well, and that's right, you can't love God and hate your brother. My, my father, who was a pastor, taught me that as a child. And uh, when I was a little girl, we were, we were in the room with, with someone, and they, they said something. It, it wasn't overtly ra- it, wa- it wasn't explicitly racist, but it was implicitly racist. And so when we got in the car, I asked my dad something about it, and he, that's he said, "They need to get saved." The problem is you can't love God and hate your brother. And if you can't love your brother, then you are not a believer. And that's just the bottom line. And uh, we have we just did, and I'll just did a quick aside, I'll tell you that we did a, a call yesterday with all of our leaders. And we prayed for everybody. We prayed for God to save the looters <laughs> and to save, you know, people who harbor hate in their heart. And for the angel armies to come around and to you know, bring uh, to bring the Holy Spirit into this moment. And we we bound Satan at, over the, you know, the cities and all of this.
1: I'll tell you something else I learned in the last few days, and that is that language matters. When I talked about protest um, and the, you know, the ability of people to protest, People misinterpreted that as I was condoning the violence. Oh, my, yeah. I mean, for Big 50 difference. Years, not in the last few days. For 50 years, since I tried to talk in my dorm rooms, my friends out of violence and, and peace, trying to talk them into peacefully protesting... When I say set test, I'm so old. I'm In my head, I'm thinking those brave people who sat at the lunch counters while people right. sat on them and they didn't return it. I'm talking right. about the people who locked arms, black and white, and peacefully walked across the bridge and sang hymns together. I'm talking about a woman who had such conviction. She was tired. Um, in the uh, Rosa Park. Those are the kinds of things that that are so traditional. I mean, it's as American as apple pie to protest that way. We do it
0: every January twenty second when we march down the. That's November. right. I was thinking while you were saying that. As a I, you know, listen. As a pro life person, as a pro life protester. I we must stand firmly on behalf of the right to protest, and certainly you and I understand that. And I understood what you meant by that. Certainly, that there's a huge difference between zero patience
1: for those anarchists that are on the streets hurting people and property, who mm-hmm. are destroying people's livelihoods. How and and it it just. It was mind-boggling to me that anyone could think that I possibly had any sympathy for that at all. None.
0: None. Of course. Of course. Well, we, we, this has been so wonderful, but we only have about 30 seconds left. Tell our listeners how they can go find out more about Heritage Foundation. Well,
1: uh, if people are interested, they can go to heritage.org. If they want to do the most important thing ever for our nation, this is a time to be called to prayer, repentance, redemption, forgiveness. Uh, Christians must speak up and speak into this moment because the very things that those protesters are out there on the streets for... We, as God's people, have answers.
0: Amen, sister. Thank you so much, Kay, for joining us today for this just very important and and hard conversation. We'll see you next time on Concerned Women for America's broadcast. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org. .org <laughs>